Welcome to Metanoia. In the first season of Netflix's outstanding sports documentary, Last Chance You, America met and fell in love with East Mississippi Community College's most influential team player, academic advisor Brittany Wagner. In our last episode, we talked with Brittany about her career path as an academic advisor and how she bridges the gaps between herself and the students she advises. In this podcast, Brittany gives an impassioned rationale for allowing athletes to major in sports, and we learn just how many pencils she has now that season two of Last Chance You has wrapped. Listen to part two of this two-part series as we explore the life and mind of a top-performing academic advisor, mentor, and friend. So I understand you think that college athletes should be able to major in sports. I do. I do. And I know that's probably not a popular thing to say, but I do. Uh, can explain what you mean by that. Uh, so l- maybe less of an emphasis on the reading, writing, arithmetic, more an emphasis on athletics as a trade? Um, no, I don't know that that's where I would go with it. I think that it's unfair. I mean, I think you have young students who want to be an attorney and they major in pre-law and they go to law school and their track is studying what they love or what they want to do. You have artists who get to major in art, you know, and they get to, they get to take classes learning about what they love. But then you have athletes who love their athletic performance. They love their game. They love their bodies. They love these things. And we don't allow them to study that. And I think that's not fair. Why, why are artists any different from athletes? And it may be a small percentage of athletes that go on to make this a career, but if you probably broke down the numbers, most athletes, they are going to wind up doing something related to athletics. And it may not be playing their sport professionally, but it's going to be something along that, those lines. And I just think that if we would allow them to study what they love, the way that we allow other students to study what they love, they would enjoy their education, (laughs) you know, and they would maybe perform better and, and maybe be more successful off the field and in the classroom because we're allowing them to study what they love. But instead, the NCAA and, and advisors everywhere, we make them fall into another category because they have to pick a major and, and that's not an option. So we make them study something else and it's not something that they enjoy or they care about or they love. And so we're, they're just going through the motions. Now, I think that English is important. I think they need to learn how to speak and write and, you know, reading obviously is important. But I think that there are interviewing classes they could take so that when they are in front of a microphone or in front on a stage, you know, with an audience, they can speak well. I think that there are finance classes they can take, money management classes they can take. There are some law classes they could probably take to learn, you know, if, when they get an agent or they have these contracts, how to read them, how to what to look for. I mean, there are things, there are classes, economics, um, classes that they can take that go right along with 
professional sports and, and learning about their bodies and their muscles and why this hurts. You know, this bone is connected to this tendon and that's what an ACL tear is and, and learning how their body performs and, and that why food is so important and why what you put in your body is so important to your performance on the field. Those things are important for them to learn and to know. And I just think that with the hugeness of of college athletics and professional sports, why in the world have we not developed a curriculum for these kids to major in? You make a solid case. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) What, What would need to change in order for that to happen? You know, I think there are a lot of, a lot of people in higher ed that are just against athletics altogether. Um, and they're against doing anything else <laughs> for athletics or for athletes. And I think that there are a lot of people that would consider that dumbing it down. And I don't see it as dumbing it down, but I think there would be people out there that would see it as that. Hmm. Because the athletics part of the program is like a necessary evil that pays for the the lights to be on, but we don't want to actually acknowledge it as a craft and discipline in its own right. Right. Yes, I think so. I think it, that, that would demand a little too much respect. You've said that your ideal job would be to work with college athletes or NFL, NBA rookies as a behavioral specialist or as a life coach. Is that still your dream? Yeah, yeah. I think there's such a need for that. Is that a natural progression to move from being an athletic advisor to wanting to have more of a mentoring role? I think it is for people that want to be involved with the athletes. I think a lot of academic advisors move into an administration role from this position. They, they get burned out. And the thing that they get burned out with is the athletes. And so they move into more of an athletic administration role. They become an athletic director, a senior women's administrator. They move out of the part where they have to deal with the athletes. And I think that's what divides academic counselors. There are some of us that really enjoy the athletes. There are some of us that the athletes are the part that we, you know, that drain us. And so I think if you're like me and the athlete fills you up, then I think, yeah, that's the natural progression is moving away maybe from the academic side and more into the counseling side and the life coaching and the mentoring, you know, and maybe there's some people that like the academic part of it. And so they move into maybe teaching or or something similar. Um, But for me, I enjoy the academic side, but I much more enjoy the life coaching and the mentoring and the, the making them better members of society part of it. And to set them up for success post-college. Yes, I think that's very important. I think we've all failed as educators if we have not done that. I mean, they can learn history and college algebra and English, but if they can't get out and function in society and and be better for having been at our institution, then I I just think we've done them a disservice. You know, in, in their experience at college, the coach is concerned about the performance on the field. Their teachers are concerned about the performance in the classroom. You may be one of the few people that's concerned with their performance in life beyond all of that. Right. And I think that, you know, I think about all the time, what about the places that don't have me? You know, like who's caring about these kids at those places? Because I think we we pull at them in all directions. There's so much on their plate, especially now with social media and 
they're all in the spotlight all the time and they can't make a mistake. You know, they make a mistake and we just crucify them. And, you know, and I think the the coaches are pulling at them, the, the trainers are pulling at them, the teachers are pulling at them. Everyone's pulling at them, but who's helping them? You know, who's loving on them? Who's helping them to just get through it all? And I think there's just a lot of places and a lot of athletes that don't, they don't have that. They don't have anybody. Well, even not just the athletes, uh, most, I didn't have an academic advisor, not in any way like you when I was going to college. And most students don't who aren't athletes because most programs can't afford to pay the salary of an academic advisor unless there's, you know, justification for it. And the athletics department clearly provides justification. Right. Where where can students turn for guidance and counsel if they don't have someone like you that's assigned to them? You know, I think um, there are counseling departments at most colleges. Now, I think that's kind of an embarrassing thing for college students to walk into the big office that says counseling on the front of the door. So many people see that as just negative. So I understand why college students are maybe apprehensive to go into the counseling center at their colleges, but I do think that's a, a great resource for college students, and I do think it's probably underutilized. You know, I also think that there are teachers out there who truly do care about their students. I, I would suggest to students, especially when you get in your major where your class sizes are smaller, you know, really find a teacher that you kind of look up to or align yourself with or agree with and and try to see, you know, will that teacher foster a relationship with you and mentor you in that way? Can you, is there is there someone like that on the campus that you can talk to? I think too, you know, there are organizations on campus, whether it's sororities or fraternities or, you know, other just um, honor society organizations other things like that that are extracurricular maybe. And, you know, hopefully there's a sponsor, an advisor, an adult that is overseeing that program. You know, is there someone in those programs that you can talk to? And, you know, and then in the community, I think there are a lot of adults out there that really do care about young people. They just don't really know how to get involved and how to help them. And then I think there are a lot of young people that really need the support and guidance and mentoring of, of, those of us that are older and those young people don't know how to find them. And I think, you know, it's just figuring out a way to kind of merge the two and it's just community. It's communication. It's, it's talking and communication and putting yourself out there um, so that you find each other. Yesterday was your last day at EMCC. Yes. And Netflix has wrapped. So we'll see you in season two of last chance you, right? Yes, I will be in the entire season of season two. We filmed from August to December, and then they actually unwrapped yesterday, <laughs> and a crew flew in on Monday and filmed my departure yesterday, so I think oh, really? they are going back and re-editing some things to fit that in. So yes, I will be in season two, and yesterday's teary goodbyes, I'm assuming, will be as well. Was yesterday your last day at East? It was, how bittersweet was that? Very bittersweet. I mean, obviously, I'm excited for this next chapter, but to leave there, I've been there a long time and um, obviously have relationships outside of the athletes with faculty and staff and administration and coaches. And, um, and then yeah. on top of that, you know, the athletes, many of whom came there to play after seeing season one of the show and kind of came there for my help. 
Um, And, you know, for me to leave them was rough. You know, the beauty of yesterday, I think, too, was they were so selfless in their goodbyes. I mean, everyone was just wishing me well and proud for me. And, there, you know, there just wasn't any selfishness. Well, I can imagine after having watched that first season of Last Chance You that most people who know you are probably fans of you and want the best for you regardless of where you're at. Yeah, that's been a really nice thing to see. When season one came out, people were so supportive and loving. And honestly, I thought when it came out, I thought that I thought it would be a huge success, but I thought it would be a huge success because it was about football. And I really didn't think, you know, I didn't know if people would care about my role at all. For me to even be what people are saying is the star of the show and to have everyone really reaching out to me and and, and wanting to know more about me and, and just that alone really restored my faith in humanity. I thought, you know what, there are a lot of people out there that really do care about other people. And and the fact that people liked that part of the show more than they liked the football part, you know, really kind of says a lot about where we are as a society. You were clearly committed to the students there at EMCC. You were clearly committed to the school. What led you to move away? Yeah, um, I think a lot. I think... I am a person that is energized, I think, and rejuvenated with change. Although I don't, I'm not a person that likes it. (laughs) You know, I don't really enjoy change very often. I do know enough about myself that I, when I get complacent or kind of in a rut, um, I lose my mojo, so to speak. And I need that rejuvenation and that change to kind of get back on my feet and get back to my center and who I am and and eight years is a long time to be at the same place doing the same job, and especially when it's such a rural area like Scuba. And I actually I live 45 minutes, about 35 to 45 minutes away from Scuba. Um, been a single mom now for four years, so driving back and forth, making that being 45 minutes away from my daughter. At, you know, I drop her off at school and then I'm driving yeah. 45 minutes away from her. And if something happens, I'm driving back. And it's just. And every time you're in the car on the way there and back, you're probably running the math and thinking, I'm spending 10 hours a week <laughs> in the car when yes. I could be doing anything else more productive with my life. Yes. And it's, you know, it's time, it's money, it's gas money. <laughs> and I just, I knew probably, if I'm being completely honest, I would say two years ago, I've probably been there two years too long. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think two years ago, I really kind of started feeling like, okay, it, my time here is I'm losing it. Like I'm losing my own motivation. I'm losing my own um, mojo, you know, in this in this job and I need to rejuvenate myself. And then I, I felt obligated to stay and film a second season of the show. And I didn't want to let anybody down in that. So I think I, you know, I stayed for that. And, and I just knew that, okay, if I don't commit to this and do this now, I'll never leave because there's always that athlete that you want to stay for. Or I could, if I'd sat there, they would have talked me into a season three or a season four. You know, I think I would have just stayed there and I would have ended up losing myself. And so I just, I knew I could feel it, you know, inside of me and I, it was tough and it was, the, you know, a hard, very hard decision to make, but I just knew that I had to do it so that I could go on to bigger and better things. 
are you going to be moving? I am moving to Birmingham, Alabama, which is a... At this point in the interview, Brittany described plans she was making at the time for a different career pivot than the one she actually took. I caught Brittany by phone to get that update, and we'll play that audio shortly. In the meantime, we'll just skip over her previous plans and get back to the interview. You're, you're a little scared? Yeah, of course. I think anytime you make a life change like this, it's it's scary and you don't want to fall flat on your face. And I knew, I knew the minute that I announced it that there would be a lot of people that thought I was crazy. But I'm doing this for me, you know, and I'm doing it for Kennedy too to get us in a better area. Um, this is just where I need to be right now and, and that it is going to be such a bigger platform for me to kind of expound on. So yeah, there's definitely yeah. fear there, but excitement as well. And it'll, it's going to be great. Now that you have made the question, do you have a pencil, a virtual meme? What are you going to do with all your pencils? Are you leaving them behind? Are you taking them with you? I took them with me. Um, I have them. How many pencils do you have? I received 3,022 pencils. Oh my gosh. From all over the world. And I give, obviously my athletes have given them out all semesters or all year. So a lot of them have been given away. I left some at the school and then I brought the rest with me. And I'm hoping that I can go into these schools in Birmingham, these inner city schools, especially and hand out pencils. So when are you going to write your book? Funny. I just, uh, <laughs> this has just been a cr the craziest whirlwind, but um, I have one. <laughs> so we are in the process. Brittany, thank you so much for spending a lot more time with me today than I think either of us expected, but it's been a delightful conversation. And I think you have a lot to teach people who want to go into academic advisement or working with students or athletes. Uh, I think uh, you've got a lot of insight and I think people can stand well to be inspired by you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and um, thank you. I conducted this interview a few months ago and recently learned that Brittany's previous plans had changed. She's still left DMCC, but she's launched a new venture instead, and she's very, very excited. Here we go. Yeah, it's been a few months since we talked, and when we talked, you had different plans, and you've now started your own venture. Can you tell us briefly what that is? Yes, I have started my own company, and um, it's 10,000 Pencils is the name of it, obviously coming from the Do You Have a Pencil line of the show. Um, we call it 10KP for short, so you may see it out there as 10KP or 10,000 Pencils. Just an exciting time. Um, obviously, the goal for me is this company grows so large that I have to hire counselors to work for me and train them, and that eventually we have Brittany Wagner's all over this country working with a large amount of athletes all over the country and that we end up changing we end up changing college football you know we change we change the scope of college football because we're preparing kids and they're getting to their institutions prepared and ready for that level um all because 10,000 pencils but i bet your phone must be blowing up again now that the second season has started it is um it is this this has been i i know how to manage it better this time um, having gone through it once before, I now know how to manage it. I also also have a team of people helping me to manage it this time, which I did not have in the beginning. So it's easier for me, but it also feels bigger to me. Um, I feel like this time there are more more emails, more messages, more requests, 
but it, it, it is a little overwhelming at times. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, right now, the people that suffer the most are probably my family because I just don't have, right now, I, I don't have the time. That's upsetting to me a little bit, but, um, you know, it'll, it'll die down in a little while and things will get back to normal. It's going to be a challenge to learn how to delegate to others. Yeah, and I, you know, I think that's kind of always been a challenge for me. Um, I'm a little bit of a control freak, so for me to delegate and let things go sometimes is hard. I think I'm doing a good job of it right now. Um, I have two people back in Birmingham, Alabama that are right now doing an awesome job and helping me out tremendously. So, yeah, I do. uh, I have a lot more help, and I'm asking for help maybe more than I did with season one. Um, so I'm, le- I'm learning delegation skills. <laughs> hey, thank you. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to give us an update. I know you're busy. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Metanoia. If you have any feedback, please leave comments at our website, thebestschools.org, where you'll find this interview and many others.